It's showtime. We're live. Welcome to another episode of the podcast. Uh, we are going to be talking about lumpers, everybody's favorite. You know how much you love lumpers, but we've got a guy that's uh, got some experience in that warehousing world, and I think maybe we can get some perspective out of this and maybe help us not be so quite so angry when we're dealing with the uh, uh, the lumpers and the warehouses. Yeah. <clears throat> Real quick, before we get started, I want to remind everybody about our promo code for um, $50 off in free shipping of OPS units. Good till May 30th, so you got 15 more days to take advantage. Go to the website to the store, put in OPS108 at checkout, and you will get $50 off in free shipping on OPS unit install kit. Is that two filters and two kits or three yeah. filters and two kits? Two. Uh, well, it's three filters and two kits, yeah. yeah. Okay. And it's only good through us. You can't call Pittsburgh Power and get that. So. Yeah. Um, I want to remind you about our mentoring services. Uh, if you are a BCO or about to become a BCO and you would like to help reduce your learning curve, uh, go fill out this form and let us know what you're doing. We've got a few people in that now and uh hopefully you guys will be hearing from them soon um july 16th and 17th hurricane west virginia uh hurricane as we call it reset your mindset 2022 uh i should have that up on the website this week we'll have an event page you can pay uh all the money details hotel information all that stuff will be there but that will be uh saturday and sunday july 16th and 17th in hurricane uh, we're going to have 50 to 75, probably, uh, it's going to be a pretty good deal. Uh, really looking forward to that. And we have trucks available. So if you've been thinking, uh, about coming and joining the program and getting in a blue ribbon truck, now is the time because we've got a few available. Um, so just go to drive the number four blue ribbon.com, fill out the form. Uh, give us your contact information. We'll set up a uh, Zoom interview and see if you are right for the program. And I guess without further ado, uh, would you like to introduce our guest? You kind of sure. know him a little bit better than I do. Yeah, I know a little bit about him. So those of you that may not know, I have two Chris's that uh, they're in my uh, life. Uh, you all know one of them here. Uh, this uh, guy that I have to put up with every every Sunday night. But I also have another one that I've uh, actually personally, with the, of course, with the help of my bride, raised uh, to the, let's see, how old is he now? 38. So um, um, we're at an undisclosed location somewhere in the western suburbs of Chicago at a place we intimately call the Bourbon Barn. And um, there are legends that have been made here. There are legends waiting to be made. And uh, without, uh, without further ado, I would like to introduce my son, Chris Long. Um, you guys may have heard in the past, his initials are CDL, <laughs> which is, I guess, an omen because nowhere in my life did I ever, ever think I would be in the trucking business and I certainly wouldn't have named my son after, after it, but it just turned out that way. So we kind of play with that, but Chris is, uh, you know, he's, uh, my, of course, my pride and joy, and, and he's uh, the person that gave me my uh, nickname of the serial entrepreneur. And uh, just by the way, the most recent 
Landstar podcast. I think it's episode 21 just released uh, yesterday. And the title of it is the serial entrepreneur. And it's my story. Um, and uh, they played, uh, you know, um, whatever the word is, they, they honored uh, Chris's title of me as the, as the title of the episode. So if you'd like to listen to that, it's 26 minutes. And uh, it was, listen, they cut it drastically. It was, uh, it was a lot, it was like 50 minutes when we did it, but they found reasons for, you know, somehow to, to trim some of it out. I can't imagine why, but um, I did get a couple of calls from Landstar Legal uh, asking a few questions. So I'm supposing that that's probably some of it, but and Chris uh, Polk, you, they, you don't know this, but before they released it on Saturday morning, they, they texted me or they emailed me and said, are you sure that Chris P will be okay with us talking about his rough start last start? And I said, I can assure you he's okay with that. So yeah. anyway, I don't think I told you that. But So uh, my son Chris uh, is a um, – is it is it senior vice president? Am I giving you the right title? He's a big shot, okay, <laughs> with a very 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 large warehousing uh, services company. Uh, they have a very very big market share in that in that uh, segment, and um, you know it's it's it was kind of ironic that we both ended up in the logistics business on on opposite ends really of the spectrum, you know as a as a driver and as a truck owner, you know. Uh, that word lumper was the bane of our existence. You know, nobody wanted to go to a food warehouse and have to sit and go through all that crap and, and then pay good money to have your truck in some cases, more money than we made to put the haul, the load to unload it. And so, you know, but, but, you know, seeing the other side of it and, 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 you know, knowing enough about what he does and what we talk about, I thought it'd be interesting for us to get him to provide us the other side of the story. You know, we always, as truck drivers, we, we look at things only through, you know, our, our perspective. And uh, sometimes that needs to be balanced with, you know, the real world. And so we thought tonight would be an opportunity. We had planned on doing this uh, a few weeks back, but uh, logistics didn't work out. And so we had to uh, reschedule. But I've been up here all weekend for my youngest granddaughter's birthday. And so we thought we'd take advantage of us being in the same place and do it tonight. So Chris, welcome to the podcast. Uh, tell us a little bit about, you know, how you got started in this, in this field and how you've, and I, listen, he's very, very humble and very, very, you know, um, he'll, he'll understate everything, but he has been a juggernaut <laughs> in this business. You know, I mean, the, the guy went from nothing from a, from working in the cold storage and, and unloading stuff to now senior vice president of a big, 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 uh, company. So Chris, the floor is yours. I don't, I don't know if I can meet those, uh, expectations, but no, it's, it's good to be here. I'm 37 for the record. I'm uh, sorry. I need every, I need every year. So. But no, I'm ex it's fun. This is exciting. I didn't think we'd be videotaping in the barn anytime soon. So, isn't the barn isn't the barn beautiful? Look behind him. What a what a what a magnificent backdrop of all Kentucky bourbons back there. So, um, Chris is what they officially call a bourbon snob, by the way. So, yeah, that apple didn't fall far from the tree. <laughs> No, no, that's he's waiting. I'm not anywhere in his league. Okay, so I appreciate a lot of different bourbon. He does. That's true. It's not snobby. It's just I'm I just appreciate it. So, 
so you got, so why don't you start just a little bit like you get out of college. Yeah. How do you end up in logistics? Um, so I went to school, didn't have any idea what I was going to do. I worked with my dad in the kind of the dry cleaning business that he had for uh, many years. And so I knew that I was interested in business and leading people. And we used to have a little, I'd run a couple of stores and um, got a little bit of magic management experience. So I went into school and just kind of knew I wanted to do leadership. I ended up getting um, paired up with a professor that did supply chain. And we did a warehouse tour in Winchester, Kentucky at like a save a lot um, distribution center. And one thing led to another and I kind of got into it um, and uh, got out of school and went to work for um, a retail grocery company and went to, through their uh, management training program and uh, learned, you know, all the areas of the warehouse and then ended up um, kind of um, getting pretty good at that. And we were opening distribution centers. So I moved from kind of one location to another, helping open distribution centers as they were coming online. And then one thing led to another and um, I got more into the third party side of the business, which um, doesn't necessarily own and operate the warehouses, um, but supplies labor and does outsource activities uh, for some of those distribution centers. And so that's what I've been doing uh, more recently, but it's kind of it in a nutshell. So when I, I, I've been in the business since 97 yeah. and I remember the first time going to like a grocery warehouse and being like, what the hell do you mean? I got to pay somebody to unload it. Yeah. You know, and I was thinking today about one time I'd probably been driving six months and they're like, well, they want 140 bucks. You know, we'll pay you that if you want to do it. Well, that was one and done. I did that one time and never do it again. Um, but I remember the difference and there would just be a bunch of guys standing along the fence and be like, well, th those are the lumpers over there. Um, and there was no organization. There was no structure. It was just, you know, handsome, random dude, whatever he wanted, 150, 250, 350, whatever it was. Yep. And I started to see the change where it got more organized and companies started coming in. And, and so instead of uh, paying a guy, you would say, oh, there's a company name there. And you would pay that company. Um, so were you, had that transition already taken place by the time you came in? It was. So when I first started working in, like on receiving shifts, um, they had just brought in like a dedicated service, um, at that distribution center. And before that it was the same deal. There were a lot of distribution center employees that would also, um, be around on receiving shift and just would, you know, price their own loads and, and do the work directly with the drivers. And, you know, everybody hated that for some reasons because there was, you just had no consistency. Right. So, you know, and, and, um, you really didn't have any options. So it was like three or four guys available to unload their trucks. Sometimes it's like a doc mafia situation where they kind of run things. And next thing you know, there's just a guy quoting you crazy prices, you know? So, but I, yeah, that's what it was. I, I and, met him, I think. Didn't you? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> You know, when they brought in the service, um, there were a couple of guys that it impacted significantly. You know, they were pretty upset. So, um, I don't, I don't think drivers appreciate the what would have to be the well-oiled machine at a. And it doesn't matter a, a Family Dollar, at Lowe's, a Home Depot, a mm -hmm. Walmart. 
I mean, there, dude, there, that's an, that I'm, what I'm going to call an ass load of product coming in and out of there. Yep. That, I mean, and of course, Amazon, I think is like its own beast, you know? Um, but in the, is that, I guess, is that fair to say that there's Amazon over here and then there's everybody kind of doing their thing? You know, they're, they're all more similar than you'd probably think on the outside. Um, there's certainly different degrees of it. Uh, but it is, I mean, it's, there's a lot that goes into those distribution centers and receiving is just one portion of that, you know? Yeah. Uh, most of those distribution centers are just super focused on serving the stores that they're you know oriented around, and it all starts there. So, like top of mind is your outbound loads. Then it's do you have all the stuff in the distribution center to fulfill orders? Then okay, then that's good. Then it's like oh, we got to receive stuff today, you know. So it just that's kind of the orientation um, that you have in those environments. So. Um, so you so you graduated college. You got your first job at um, a grocery warehouse, as I recall, right? Mm-hmm. Yep. And so, when, talk us how you got through, you know, from from a spe, from a specific company yeah. to a warehousing service company. Uh, kind of walk us through that. I mean, I, I ended up doing it because uh, the one of the guys that hired me out of college went and worked for the third party side of things. And so he kind of introduced it to me. Um, and that's kind of what we got, got me comfortable in it, but, um, you know, it made sense. I mean, we, we had a service that we used when I worked on sort of the, the retail side of things. Um, and you know, there's, there's pretty big space for growth because, um, warehousing just kind of in trucking, right? Like headcounts at a premium. And so if you got a way to flex labor and do some things where you can kind of help distribution centers uh, keep ticking um, and have have the, the people element involved, you know, made sense. So. Now, the I think even the retail side that you were working on, didn't you guys address the wait time for, for drivers? I mean, wasn't that a priority that you guys introduced? And didn't you actually take some pride on in, in, in that facet of your service. Am I thinking You're right about, about that? Like at save a lot, like where I was Yeah, right yeah, there. Yeah. I don't remember that specifically. It might, we could have, well, I remember us having a conversation. You guys had like a, some kind of like a two hour yeah. kind of a, not guarantee, but you, you know, you, you really, really looked into situations if it went longer than two yeah. hours. Am I making that up or is that, yeah, probably making that up. Uh, I, think. I mean, uh, it, he, it I can't nail all, him down. Okay. First of all, it was like 10 or 12 years ago. And yeah. It's just it was. culturally different. Yeah. But I mean, even then, man, it was honestly, you're just so focused on fulfilling orders, outbound trucks. You know, you got, you got uh, stores that are calling you, hey, where's my two pieces of right. ribeyes? And um, then you're, you know, trying to manage all the associates in the building, the safety elements, right? Like all that's going on. And right. like, literally oh but you know we're the receiving schedule is always just an afterthought you know it's like you just expect it to happen well i remember bitching to you because at that time i was just starting out as a driver well it wasn't in 08 09 you know i and so i would tell you my you know my situations and and you kind of you know well yeah i mean i see what you're saying it wasn't some program like i just worked in a distribution center and yeah, we ha- I mean, we cared about culture and communication and people. So like, right, 
if a guy's been here and he's passed his appointment time and we get that he's got to go run another, we're just going to be nice about it, you know. So right, we always right. try to take care of guys. And plus, right. uh, and, you know, particularly at produce loads, you see the same guys, you know, True. every day in some cases. But So can, can, uh, can lumpers be bribed to unload your truck? I mean, I, yeah, sure. To the extent that anybody could be bribed to do something. No, yes. I've, yes. I've li- yes. They shake, they're the best shakedown artists on the planet. I've, I've experienced that. <laughs> we like as a company right like you we do everything we can to like shut that down and the, you, sure. you certainly now you can't do that and put it through kind of the tracking and paper trail and stuff right. that you have especially done. with the digital right um, but i mean look i mean we we've had some instances where it's somebody's just hey i'm gonna give you cash to go do this like you know we don't have cameras watching the door yeah well and, and i say bribe but i mean i know i mean I, look there's a lot of different techniques here I, I know drivers who every time they go they stop by dunkin donuts and bring everybody on the dock right. a big thing they don't know. oh sure that's and not really bribing but that that yeah, yeah. earns you favor you know yeah. and 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 not going in i mean we we talk all the time about how landstar bcos you know, they, they get on Facebook and they badmouth their customers. They agents their customer. They get all they do is trash talk their you know the customer and they wonder why they can't get a load. And same thing here, you go to the same dock every we just have we've right. got a driver right now that's actually getting ready to leave. But you know, he he always talked about how he went to these same places all the time. He'd get in, everybody else was waiting because every time he went, he gave everybody oh, sure. you know. That's and that's it's, the, we call that building relationships, buddy. That's right. <laughs> it works everywhere, doesn't it? It's amazing how that works, right? I'll tell you one little story here. I don't even know. Yeah, you know, I think it's probably okay. I won't say the place, but I was at a warehouse that his company uh, staffs. Okay, and it was late, late one night, and I was really, 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 you know, in a. I wanted to get the hell out. Okay, and they're telling me it's going to be like tomorrow or whatever. So it's the first time I ever did it, but I played the Chris card. <laughs> I literally played the Chris card, and. Uh, I guess they believe me because uh, I was the next truck in the dock, you know. So um, not saying y'all should do that, by the way, okay? <laughs> Everybody's going to be like, hey, I know Chris Long. <laughs> um, I'm going to get a lot of phone calls. So, well, in, in one of the conversations that we had, you and I had in that, in that very room, I believe, it was a little foggy. Memory's a little foggy. Was this, uh, was this involved? Yeah, yeah, lots of it. Uh, but one of the things that surprised me is you were telling me how that in a lot of distribution centers, the distribution center itself is not housed with retailers, employees like that's a third party managed yeah. um, outfit. And I was like, once you told me that, I'm like, oh, hell, that makes sense. You know, why would Home Depot or Lowe's or whoever deal with like like we do? You know, Landstar doesn't hire our drivers. We hire our drivers. So it would kind of, it kind of makes sense. So um, is that kind of the norm that if you're going into a DC, you're dealing with the third party management and they're taking care of all that. And then the, basically the, the retailers just receiving the product at their stores. Yeah. I think there's different um, levels of it. You know what I mean? But I think probably the majority of uh, places that certainly on the food side of things, there's going to be a third party probably managing the unloading or some portion of the business. And, you know, there's some, there's lots of distribution centers that are completely outsourced. Like it's a full third party. It's a, you know, a contract just on the number of units that are going through this building. And then the third party does everything. And then there's, you know, um, there's some of the buildings that we work in where we might do the order selection or the receiving or the, 
um, auditing um, different work functions or different shifts. Um, so yeah, it's very common. Very common. Well, I know I know a lot of the drivers on here are going to want you to hear your answer about this, but why is it that it takes sometimes four, six, eight hours to get unloaded when you're dealing with the lumper? I mean, walk us through why that occurs and, you know, what's, what's behind the scene there. I mean, why, why can't it be, why can't it be quote fixed? Mm -hmm. And, and a second part of that question is everybody, well, everybody, a lot of people in this industry, they, they want the government to get involved to fix the problem with detention. Talk, talk to that a little bit about what that, what that really would look like. But let's do that sec. I shouldn't, I should answer that too. Quite <laughs> All right, so go back to question, question one. Again. <laughs> well, well why, why does it take so long? Why, oh, why, yeah, why does okay. it take four, six, eight hours or longer? You know? Yeah. I mean, so I guess the place to start is um, the person that's actually unloading the truck. Right. So, like it's what we have a lot of folks that do it and all of our guys are paid like on a container basis usually or a truck basis. So it's not just, they just get paid this, you know, a, uh, an amount per hour and that's it. Um, it's usually based on either the complexity and the number of SKUs and the number of pallets, and how much breakdown work is on that load. So um, they're trying to push through those loads as quickly as they can. So it's generally never the person that's actually unloading the truck being slow or not being on top of things like they are very motivated to want to go do that, you know? Okay. Uh, so what happens, you know, more often than not is, you know, it's, it's, a, it's a part of the supply chain that, but it's a part that's flowing like all together. Right. So um, again, like most of the food warehouses are 24 seven operations, meaning they're shipping out of one side of the building and receiving on the other side of the building and then right. flowing it through. Right. And when you get in a short staffing situation, which like, with COVID and you know, the way the workforce is now happens a lot. Um, if you're going to reduce capacity, you're going to reduce capacity, not on outbound orders because you've got about 48 hours to make that up. Um, you got it. Like you can't miss your appointment time at the store, you know, or you can't short them their product. So you put all your resources there and then you work backwards and where the resources generally aren't is on the receiving side. Cause everybody ran out of hours and you know, look, we can, if we receive a PO a day late, we can recover from that because we have some safety stock, right? But an outbound shipment, a store misses their weekly mm -hmm. egg delivery. Well, now, you know, they're out for the week. So. so that priority is not on receiving, but on shipping. Correct. Yep. Even though the receiving guys are incentivized. Correct. Their problem is they can't do anything about the other side yep. and the process side. And right? if the other side's bad enough, you know, we'll pull folks out of receiving and then they'll go ship orders, you know, and just because, yeah. that's that's where the priority is just in the in the nature of things you know so so that's it a lot of times and so that's the two extremes but in the middle is generally inefficiencies or like poor engineering and like dock flow so you know when you're talking to warehouse guys well, we're thinking about um how can we make all you know there's probably 10 parts of you bring the pallet in, you label it, you put it away in like a reserve location, an order comes over, we have to know how much is available for picking versus how much we have on hand so that somebody goes and lets down that product. And then it ultimately gets loaded on a truck and shipped out. Um, there's just a lot of folks managing that process and we're trying to keep it flowing all the time. But if you get one kink in that process, the whole warehouse can really slow down and shut down. And so that's generally is kind of what's going on, right? So uh, maybe 
we cycle, we received something wrong. It was a hundred cases on a pallet. It ended up being, it's really a thousand. So we, you know, we created a hundred pallets based on the quantities we entered. Then that may throw off in the system. Oh, we need to allocate a hundred pallets for this section of the warehouse. We can't put any more product away. Well, now we're just stuck on the dock. So it's, it ends up being a lot more stuff like that than it is, you know, anything else. So I'm going to push the, 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 the government thing away a little bit more. Cause I want to talk about what you just said. Mm-hmm. Cause a lot of guys ask this question, why do they, ha- why don't they ship it the way they want it? Why the, why do we have to un unpalletize it and repalletize it while I'm sitting at the dock, not getting paid? Right. Uh, it's a good, it's a really good question. It just comes down to cost, you know? So, uh, like in the grocery business, we'd have, we'd put in an order to one of the big cereal manufacturers, right? And so on that truck would be full of cereal, <clears throat> but it would be probably 24 different kinds of cereal, right? So if it was just all cornflakes and it was floated floor to ceiling, you could just pull it off one pallet at a time and you'd be good to go. But it, it, what ends up happening is it's not, right? So we got to sort and segregate and break all that down. Um, and then, you know, obviously they're having to do that because if, they just shipped all one skew and increase the shipping cost. So it just doesn't, doesn't make good sense. So you got to break all that down. And then um, the, the storage configurations in the buildings drive a lot of it too. Right. So it may come in in a full pallet configuration, but it's like baby food. Well, we ship two cases of baby food a year. We're not going to, you know, we're not going to take up a big uh, area of selection space to have that product. So we're only going to allow the, it to be one layer right? Because we want to be able to stack it in with a whole bunch of other things. So a lot of it we're creating breakdown because we have to store it that way in the warehouse, you know? So, So, (laughs) excuse me. So it's shipped efficiently to fill the truck up. Yeah. You've got square feet in that truck that has to be used. If it's open, it's wasted space. Correct. So we package it in a way that gets a full truckload to a DC. Then we've got to go in there. We don't. You have to go in there and you have to take that efficiency of shipping and break it down in the efficiency of processing. Sure. Would yeah. that be a safe right. way of explaining it? Yeah. Well, one thing that I'm seeing that I, I didn't really see before when you were talking about serving the store, you mm-hmm. know, well, the distribution center exists to serve the store, not, not the receiving trucks. Correct. You know? Yep. I mean, that's, we talk so much about customer service, knowing who your customer is. Um, putting their needs ahead of your own. Well, that distribution center does not exist to serve the needs of the guy driving the truck, bringing in the product. It exists to serve the people that it's going out. And so just like on that very example with, you know, you've got a cereal manufacturer that's got 30 different brands, you know, well, they're probably, the order made by the customer is probably not going to be like, oh, well, we need, 16 pallets of frosted flakes right. no you need frosted flakes and corn flakes and this flakes and that flakes and all the different kind of so it, it gives me a different perspective imagining myself now backing into that dock mm-hmm. thinking about that outflow that if that outflow is bad then what i've got really doesn't matter you know sure. um so like in grocery uh we we price our trucks out a lot based on starting pallets and ending pallets. So like our averages are like every time you're pulling off 21 pallets, like pallet positions off a truck, right? So there's kind of 21 starting pallets on average for us that breaks down into 60 pallets 
once you complete the breakdown, right? So that's just kind of how much up stacking and multiple SKUs are in. There. So you're going from 21 to 60, correct? Almost. So there's 21 pallet positions on the truck. On the truck, right? When you get that, but that's got to be 60 different. It's 61. Different, Interesting. You know? And I mean, look, some loads are hundreds, right? <laughs> like uh, some of the paper loads. You know, it's every or um, cosmetics. I mean, cosmetics. You literally don't ever have more than three or four cases of eyeliner because there's a bazillion of them in there you yeah know? yeah so but yeah interesting um so here's a question chris uh uh this fellow is asking about with a certain um company he makes more in detention than the lumper fee how can you stay in business uh, or making a profit paying more detention than they're charging down load um well let me stop that okay. who pays the detention where, where does the money for detention come from? So detention, I mean, so detention is part of what um, a lot of our customers and, and us would call like a vendor compliance program. So these companies that are buying goods, um, you know, that own a distribution center, um, they'll put in fees and things like that, not necessarily as a, as a uh, you know, a revenue generating thing, but more to drive compliance around appointment delivery times, um, over shorts and damages, things like that. Um, which really protects that distribution center in their ability to continue to flow their dock and do those things. So usually that's, it's part of those. Um, it really gets the person that pays that, um, is the shipper, you know, I mean, that's, so it's not capstone or not any service mm -hmm. lumper service. No. They're not paying that so typically the shipper is who's who, who that money comes from. Yeah. So the questions. And it's all score. And they also use it. So they look at all those chargers and they put a scorecard on the brokerage or the trucking company. And they say, hey, look, we, yeah, you, you got to cut us a check for this much. Money, right. You know? Right. So, so I'm, I know all the numbers that you work with. So I know all this data is looked at. Mm -hmm. I know oh, all this time. stuff is analyzed to the nickel, you yeah. know. Because I know what you do. And I was going to mention <clears> one <throat> of the biggest things that's changed since I started um, is that, you know, 10 years ago, it became a r really big thing that the driver's experience, particularly in like food service buildings, um, really impacted the cost of shipping, right? Like it started to be recognized that, oh, man, we get this detention fee or we get this, um, you know, you know, whatever kind of situations, these big delays, um, every time we go into this facility and you would have people that would just not participate in bids, right? Like, Hey man, it's just not worth us to go do that. Right. And so then um, our customers really got engaged around what can we do to improve the driver experience? So big time investments in like bathrooms, facilities, you know, guard shack and, and all that stuff. And you so, know, that's a spinoff of the ELD. You know, right. the data is there now because there's no question about how long a truck's sitting in that lot. Yeah. So, I mean, from a freight broker standpoint they're also making rate adjustments based on how good or bad the experience is with a shipper so it works both ways yeah. you're saying the same thing That's i remember thing. you telling me you guys were doing a survey uh yeah. driver level survey you yeah, we still do that and so and what's interesting is um every single one of the, you know our customers loves the driver survey wants it in their facilities looks and reviews the data every you know period and they make decisions based on it. Like, hey, we need to go make an investment or we need to go to address this. And if it's positive, then they're going to their um, vendors and saying, hey, look, look how, what a positive place it is to deliver here. It's not going to impact rates. 
you can leave you can have a driver that's dedicated on this route and come back and it'd be a you know a good deal and right so th they're using it to try to drive down rates and get good you know partnership with their uh um well i'm gonna get back to line. the government question but rocky's got a question i think we should look at plus i've got a i've got a follow-up to his uh CDL, why does the truck have to sit at the dock empty for hours while they count and stack? If it's short, the driver can't shit out another box of products. Can't they work with the shipper and count while the truck is back on the road? That's it. You know, we get this question, question, you know? Yeah. I mean, it, that's none of that's good. Like that's all not really how it should go. But so um, a lot of companies are moving towards um, what we call subject to count. I'm sure you guys have heard. Subject oh, yeah. To count, right? oh, yeah. Like, you know, unfortunately, there's just not a lot of that going on. And particularly where it really becomes a problem is some of the vendors like in, you know, the, how organic and these niche, um, you know, fancy kind of all we make is honey, locally grown honey. Yeah. So so you mm -hmm. see those in the grocery store. Boutique. Right? Boutique. Boutique. So, but what that means is that's just some dude selling that, right? So yeah. now you're setting this guy up as a vendor. Um, and you don't know if he's going to pay. Yeah. It, you know, I mean, this is mm. the first time he's received, we're receiving honey from the dude. Right. Right. So, um, so he's not going to be shut up, set up as subject to count. Right. Like we don't know what he's going to send us. So we get his stuff in, it's damaged, whatever it is. Um, the, the only recourse that they kind of have is I can put it back and put it back on the truck where it came from, which again, it's bullshit. Like, what are they going to go do with Nobody's going to do that. Yeah. Right. It's kind of yeah. like you bought something for the first time, you know? Right. Um, but, but that's a really fringe scenario. Unfortunately, if it's not set up subject to count, like you, you kind of, your only recourses is to document it. Like those bills of lading or everything. Right. So yeah. before they give them back to you, cause if they give them back to you and it's not short or damaged or documented correctly, then they don't have any recourse. Like, right. Hey, you know, you guys received it. So unfortunately, that's why we so. encounter. I call it the security guard mentality. Now, Chris is Chris Post going to know what I'm talking about here. I don't know if you will, but we encounter a lot of territorialism in in, in this industry. Yeah, and people it, that were bullied in high school and now have authority. <laughs> they have a little fake badge and a and a taser. And so, you, <laughs> if you're on my property, you're going to play by my rules. Okay, even though those rules might be the most craziest thing you've ever heard of, that's how it's going to be. And do we, do we see that? I know you can only speak from what your experience is, but I mean, is, is, does that factor in here at all that you've got personalities there that, you know, they're like, Hey, this is my doc by God. I'm going to, you know? Yeah. I mean, that, I, that's certainly a thing, but like, honestly, holding the truck until everything's sorted and counted, like hey, that's not, no, somebody's not making a decision. Like you'd lose your job. Right. Like if honestly, if the receiver, if the receiver let the driver go, didn't document it on the bills and then it's you know a hundred thousand dollars where the product was missing i mean that's you're probably not gonna survive that you know, unfortunately. <laughs> if it ain't wrote down it didn't happen so it, yeah. so it's not even a cultural issue on that it's just like nobody with good receiving practices all is right gonna do that, so, so i'm gonna go I, with so let me let me i tell yeah. you one that chaps my ass and this is mainly on the shipping side is you'll go in and mm -hmm. they won't let you on the dock Mm -hmm. They won't let you do anything. And then when you go to get the bills, uh, no SLC, no shipper load and count. And I'm like, okay, well, let me count the bitch. Or I'm going to write shipper load and count because y'all loaded it and y'all counted it. But, you know, that's that's that great way. It's like, if, well, hey, just put it on the driver. 
you know, we, we screw him. And that's, and of course that's why drivers get such a, a chapped ass about this yeah. is they get put in the middle. The shippers on one side, the receivers on the other side, they don't like each other anyway. And then here's the driver stuck in the middle. Um, and I saw it so much during, especially during COVID it, that, that really, you know, pushed the authoritarians, um, it was we were, me and Richie were talking about this one at uh at that battery place up in Pennsylvania, um, and they had this witch, you know, and if boy if you went in there without your mask, and of course you could have a chin diaper, that was fine, um, but she'd slam the door in your face, you know, if you didn't have your mask on, and of course we'd go in there without one just to piss her off, um, you know, but boy she she loved that power, that was, you know, she she was really enjoying that a little too much. No, but I mean, that's a like, thing, sure. like you said, that if 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 a driver could be in any one of these positions, that's what Larry always says. You become an owner operator now. All of a sudden, you're all these people you've always hated. Now you're the load planner. Now you're the maintenance coordinator. Now you're all of these things. Well, if we would put ourselves in the position of the receiving clerk, the shipping clerk, the buyer, all of these people that have got to keep this massive machine running. Um, and of course, just in time that started in the late nineties when I came in and we stopped warehousing, we just used the trucks as warehouses and bring them trucks in. And then 2020 hits and the American public screwed up the most well-oiled machine in about 10 days, you know, with a toilet. Why don't you talk about toilet paper where you, what the hell was going on there? Like, do you have like it what was, was what it wasn't the distribution thing? Everybody went and bought it all. I don't know why I did I don't know why everybody did that. Okay, so well that begs the I, question. So more than there was, you know, that's what happened. I've always heard, and of course it's a truck driver thing, so it's probably bullshit, but there was always people say that five thousand loads in, five thousand loads out of New York City every day. If you shut New York City down, if you shut the trucks down for five days, New York City would start to death. Okay, mm. now maybe that's true, maybe it's not, but mm -hmm. it does make lead me to this question. So, a a a an average distribution center is going to have probably a certain period of times worth of product. Mm -hmm. That if the receive if the trucks stop coming, the front door is going to shut down in a period of time. Yeah, is that kind of standard? Like you have a week, you have two weeks, a month. It, I mean, it, it varies based because there's all sorts of distribution format, but like in grocery, for example, um, usually like your average um, days that you have something in inventory for like produce is usually like 14 days. Um, in the dairy, it's usually like maybe a little closer to like 20 days. Um, and then frozen and dry goods, you may have most of that stuff you're going to have on hand for like 30, 30 plus days, 30, 45 days. So I think that's like in a food situation, that's what it is. So when, so when 2020 hits and, and the toilet paper thing happens, we basically just wiped out whatever that supply was, right? Mm -hmm. Because everybody went crazy. People were trying to restock. And then we get to a point to where we emptied the distribution centers probably. Well, and then a dry, it was a dry good. So what's the shelf life on dry good, Chris? Yeah. I mean, that there's no really toilet paper. I mean, know. it could. How much would a DC have? I mean, um, just as much as they. That's the thing. Like, we didn't actually use more toilet paper. 
Like we no. just went and bought it. We just bought it all. I mean? Yeah. So still got it in the garage. Okay. So it just, you know, there's so much in process of being available to the public. We got all that was out there and all that. And it took like two weeks to catch up. But, but there's this accordion effect ha that happens, right? So there's the people that buy these truckloads of goods are just buy their buyers, right? So that's their job is they put orders together and they're, they're humans just like everybody else. So when say they look and they see toilet paper sales are through the roof, they have no inventory and they already cut two POs to get new toilet paper, but they still haven't gotten the POs in. They'll cut another one. Cut you know another, yeah. And that happens just all digging the time. a hole deeper. Yeah. And so oftentimes you see these shortages then backed up with over ordering. Right. Right. And then that's shit sitting everywhere you know what i mean right. so but yeah that happens all the time like what i started out at save a lot and part of their buying strategy was they would buy lots of product because they could get a really good deal on it but then we'd use our warehousing to, to hold it because we couldn't right. sell it all at once um so we dealt with that all the time all right so back to trailers okay so here's another here's an, especially at landstar because landstar doesn't have um terminals with trailer extra trailers sitting around mm -hmm. as a bco your trailer you have a trailer you let it go, you have no trailer. Mm -hmm. And getting one back sometimes can take 10 to 20, 30 days. All right. Mm -hmm. So you take a drop and hook load and you go to a warehouse where it's supposed to be drop and hook freight. Mm -hmm. And you do your drop, but then there's no empty to take care of. Mm -hmm. um, I mean, do you guys have any part in that one? I mean, do you... Do, do, just talk me through your side of, of how that happens and, and what, I mean, why? Um, so, you know, the folks running the inside of the warehouse usually aren't, there's a, there's a, there's an operations team that's managing the activities that have within the warehouse. And there's typically a transportation team that manages all of the um, outbound routes, inbound routes, but also the fleet. So yes, it, it's usually not the same people, right? So, um, so what would happen is, you know, those guys, those, that transportation, transportation folks are tasked with, they kind of have all their equipment, you know, on a piece of paper, a spreadsheet, right. And then for all 24 hours a day, they've kind of got what's going to happen with that. Right. So it's got a, you know, it's available now it's got dunnage. So we got to pull that off from a store delivery. Then we got to get it in the door. It's going to be in the door for an hour and a half. Then that's going to go to the store delivery, blah, 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 blah. So as you can imagine with all that going on, you know, your, your store delivery gets tied up in traffic or whatever coming back or your driver calls in sick. Sometimes one of those routes just gets wiped, you know? And so then you're, so do you have an extra trailer that you stand by with? Do you not? Have you already used that? So it's yeah. usually something like that, but, or it could be that the person didn't do a very good job managing it. You know? Yeah. Yeah. <clears throat> well, I'm going to, I'm going to ask that, that government question. So I, I am now the United States. <laughs> Is it like a conspiracy? Whatever. Whoever, <laughs> what I guess. Question? I guess the who's the who's the transportation dude? Oh, Budajay, Budajay, Buda. What's his name? Close enough. Budajay. Who's this? The 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 Budi, transportation Budi. secretary of transportation. Oh, yeah. Okay. We uh, what's the first name? Just don't just stop trying to say his name. Just Budajay. Yeah. <laughs> he was a mayor in uh, South Bend, Indiana. South Bend, Indiana, before he got. This position, by probably way. never seen a warehouse or a truck. No idea what a truck looks like, you know. Has no idea. Well, anyway, <laughs> I, I'm him, and I'm saying, okay, tomorrow, Mister Warehousing Dude, um, you cannot detain trucks anymore. 
two hours and you know somebody's paying can't do it they they have to be out of here in two hours mm-hmm. what's that look like how's that i mean let me let me back up and say this okay mm-hmm. that doesn't happen in your world but that happens in our world okay 2018 december every truck in the united states had to have an eld bam mm-hmm. all right and I, we can cite other other things. These regulations come down, and you know there there there's no consideration to the unintended consequences. But Never. this is such, and and right now, of course, you know the problem with the supply chain is detention at your DCs. That's mm-hmm. the problem. Okay, now I'm being tongue in cheek here, mm-hmm. but if that's the problem, and the government correcting it without considering unintended consequences, go okay, we're going to fix the problem. You no longer we're we're mandating that you no longer can detain trucks. Mm-hmm. Two hours they have to be out of here. What's that do to the supply chain? What's that do to your, you know, side of the house? I mean, it's in no one's best interest for a truck to be there longer than two hours. You know, so I don't think anybody's motivated to not do it. Um, but I, I think the point is is that there's diffusion in responsibility and who actually puts the bill. Right. And so that's what kind of creates those scenarios where it's, you know, the person that's causing the delay is not the one that ends up paying for it in those instances. Right. Cause right. he just gets caught up in this web <clears throat> of stuff. So, so what you're talking about would f- kind of bypass that and just force it to go, Hey, look, this is going to be your problem. You got to deal with it. You know, I, I would tell you that, I mean, that's one way to handle it and I get it. And that certainly would help, um, you know, in, in some ways, but, also, just make, making a law isn't the best answer always either, because what I'd like to think is that there's more progressive companies out there that take the driver relationship more seriously. And so because they're doing that and they're trying to own their supply chain, um, they have a positive experience that doesn't cost a whole bunch of money and everybody benefits from. And then you'd like to see somebody like that win, right? because they do things the right way and they don't create extra cost, and we just want to go do business with them. But so. you're saying the market will take care of itself. Right. Well, okay. I mean, it, it but there's a lot of people, you know, that, and probably, I don't know. But look, I mean, of, you could, you could, I, you know, but then you just, you know, I don't know how much would it really change it? Well, okay. Well, I've noticed right now, I've noticed that, it costs, hang on, it hang costs on somebody Chris. that much now. Well, Anyways. but but that, but let's talk about that because <laughs> detention know, detention currently is not guaranteed. Okay, it, it, even at, even at Landstar, yeah. uh, we track it. I mean, we, listen, oh, I probably yeah. chase it more than anybody, and we probably get it. I'm going to guess thirty percent of the time. This mm-hmm. would make it mandatory that somebody paid that detention. You know, I'm, I'm now look, I'm not advocating this. I'm just talking like the normal truck driver with a yeah. with a Peterbilt hat on my head. The other, okay. The other that, side of that, though, is like, OK, why two hours? Why two hours? That's been the industry standard well, as long as I've I'm been saying, around. You, you know? just, it would have it's to be a, a much arbitrary number. It is. But if you really wanted to do that, it'd have to be more sophisticated than, than we're thinking about it right now. Right. Like the, certain types of loads, you probably maybe couldn't call, qualify for that. But, you know, right. so. One thing I've noticed is that it, it's become a trip planning tool is Google reviews. Mm-hmm. Now you have to, you have to uh, adjust your comprehension of those because generally people that have a good experience don't talk about it. Mm-hmm. Right. Uh, 
so you have to weight that correctly that when you see somebody's got three, if I see somebody's got three and a half star reviews and I see a couple of positive ones, then I have to notch that up because only the pissed off people are going to leave their reviews. Sure. But I look for certain things. And so I think you're right. That's the one thing that, that a lot of the people that love regulation and think that that's the magical, you know, let just have, we'll have the statement wave. It's magical one and everything will be okay. You're not thinking about the people that do a good job. Right. Now they, their incentive now to do better is gone. Right. And you'd love to see them kick, kick ass, right? Like, oh man, you guys figured this out and did this right. Like let them benefit. And you know, we're pretty big advocates of blockchain here. And one of the things that we think the blockchain would solve is this problem without the government being involved because the, the, the data would be there. The, the automatic adjustment for the experience would, could be there in the rate um, adjustments based on experience, you know? Well, um, and go one step further. Okay. Be careful what you ask for on that front. Right. Right. But it, think I mean, about this. Your compliance, your compliance on delivery time. Absolutely. This is going to be really, well. And, and, and again, <laughs> but know. that's why the average truck driver wants the government to fix it because right. they don't no, want to be held yeah. accountable. They want you to be held accountable. Right. But, oh, I mean, that's the problem in our industry. I mean, you know, we want you to fix it. I don't want to be part of that. Go ahead, Chris. I'm sorry. Okay. So think about this, though. Let's go even further back from the truck. Go to the buyer. Okay. If a buyer has better information with which to make that choice of whether or not to issue that PO, mm-hmm. that has a ripple effect that would affect that truck even showing up because maybe that truck wasn't ordered because that truck wasn't needed. That's the one thing that I love about blockchain is that generally in financial forecasting or any other kind of forecasting, we have to look back behind us and say, okay, what happened six, eight months, six, eight, 12 months ago? Mm-hmm. What happened and what were the, what were the, and then how will we look forward based on what happened last year? Well, hell, the variables can change in an instant. Um, I think blockchain gives us the ability to look in real time. And so when people are freaking out about toilet paper, well, you can, you can look. Well, here, we know where the toilet paper is. It's not a guess. And then we can go, okay, well, we don't need to issue that PO today. We might need to issue it a week from now. Um, If we can fix that front end problem, I think the ripple effect goes further beyond because, you know, like in, in a trucking example, you, the closer you get the truck to the ship, to the actual shipper, the more money the truck makes, the better service the shipper gets. If we get rid of middlemen, that aren't necessarily, it's not that they're doing anything wrong or immoral or bad, but I think a lot of times they end up ha- making decisions that they have to make with bad information. And they're like, I'm going to push this button and whatever happens, happens. And then what's the ripple effect beyond that? So sure, I would love to see more efficiency on what's going out the front of the distribution center as much as what's coming in, because now I've, now I've connected those two, you know, what's going out the front door affects what's coming in the back door. The front door stuff has to go out. It there's this, there's, there's no way around that. Are you, I don't know if we ever talked about this. Um, are you familiar or 
done any study on what happened after Katrina with Walmart. So so. there's a guy, I think it was Horowitz, David Horowitz, I think. If you Google search Walmart to the rescue, you'll find this piece that this guy wrote. Okay. Um, And basically the way he lays it out is as Katrina was bearing down and everybody knew it was going to be bad. Walmart had a meeting in Bentonville. And I'm thinking the storm hit on Saturday, maybe. I think it hit on the weekend. Anyway, a couple days before the storm gets there, Bentonville has a meeting. And they're like, okay, we have the data on what goes into these stores that are in the path. We know the medicines. We know we have all the data as to what the, the, the most stuff is sold here. So they start loading trucks. They call their store managers and they say, you're going to be cut off from us. You're not going to have any communication. You're not going to be able to call and ask for our advice. You're going to have to do the best you can with what you have. And so he has a story about one store manager who hired a bulldozer to drive through the side of her building that was completely destroyed to break into the pharmacy to take all of the drugs out into the parking lot to the makeshift hospital that had just been set up, right? Now, if she'd worked for FEMA, they'd put her in jail. But she worked for Walmart, and she got a trophy, right? So... There's this picture. Uh, there was one of the parish, of, you know, it's Louisiana, so it's parish constables. Right. This guy was quoted in the, I think it was New York Times. If the federal government had showed up like Walmart did, we wouldn't be in this mess. Mm-hmm. And there's this picture of Walmart trucks lined up on the interstate as far as you can see. The storm comes through. <clears throat> Here comes the Walmart trucks. Food, water, clothing, medicine, the whole deal because number one, they had a relationship with the customer and Home Depot and Lowe's did something similar, but Walmart had, they had the stuff. And so as soon as the storm blows through, here comes this parade of Walmart trucks. Was that ever on NBC news? Hell no. You know, it was Bush saying, Brownie, you're doing a great job. You're like, no, he didn't. You know, and the mayor of New York of New Orleans is hiding in the top of a building somewhere. I mean, the whole thing was an absolute shit show, Mm. but Walmart had all of that data. They had all of that product. And they just were like, okay, we'll just move it in here. And and they and knew it would it. already move because that's, you know, they had that data. So they knew the product that, that was used as those stores. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> that was fascinating. I, I do think uh, like situations like Katrina and I was involved with more like on the, like the Home Depot side of like their hurricane response, but like um, that, and then just even COVID, you know, warehousing and trucking and supply chain in general i mean you think about people that make it happen you know kind of the when things go bad like we were we had folks going into distribution centers when covid was raging right well we gotta ship food and then you guys are still running trucks i mean so yeah yeah they loved us for a little while now they hate us again (laughs) no i think i really do think there's there's some uh goodwill there So you guys have a broker side too. What do you think about the quote driver shortage? Uh, what do you think about? Give us and and you don't you don't have to give us any official numbers. I know you you know you really can't do that. But from your from your perspective, what do you think about? Because we're we're reading all this. I mean, everybody in the in the in the trucking industry is predicting this this dooming bloodbath. You know, mm-hmm. because fuel's gotten double. Rates are falling because of capacity. I'm here. You can address that. Mm-hmm. So, 
the 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 average owner owner operator who's used to hauling freight for you know five six seven dollars a, a mile is now going to be doing it for two or three dollars a mile some of those guys just cannot do that their operation costs are too high to do that mm-hmm. so what what's your forecast for you know this uh, next you know few months or you know and 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 you know and and with your also your your broker side i mean do you, are you privy to anything there that the outlook so i kind of know what we generally think is going to happen but i don't know i'm not an expert like i don't know necessarily why like i don't you know i just know what we're saying right couldn't tell you if it's right or not but i think what we're kind of liking what's going on a little bit because um capacity seems like it's there and volume is a little bit down um and all that means for us is uh like on the warehousing side when capacity really gets strained um you you see like the spot market goes way up right so so you don't the the volatility and risk in freight just gets really high because people are having to do crazy things get freight covered so now that's kind of balanced out a little bit now we see a big return to big freight bids all late late lanes are covered um and then you're kind of bidding really on and service means more you know compliance means more so you just get a little bit kind of get our supply chain back to you know day-to-day running normally which it hadn't been for a while so right well that's, so that's what they see is i guess capacity yeah, comes yeah. Back a little i'm bit. not sure some of our guys are going to want to hear that but uh you know, come I mean, we talk about it all the time. You know, I mean, you know, there's, there's this, uh, this, this high cycle has gone on now for four or five years, and and the average cycle uh, length in this industry is about eighteen months. You know, mm. it's, you know, so we've had we're on an extended um, uptick bubble, whatever you want to call it. You know, the 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 concerns are: does that mean that the downside is going to be equally extended or worse? You know. What's going to be, what's it going to take to regulate, you know, the, the, the capacity and the, and the market again, because mm-hmm. when we, you know, here, what has to happen here, okay, is that, you know, the, the capacity has to, has to adjust, you know, usually that means small fleets and owner operators, because they're usually the ones that are undercapitalized, you know, mm-hmm. they, they're also the ones that run the spot market. Mm-hmm. So the, uh, you know, the big fleets, they've got all the contracts, you know, the contract stuff, it's not hurt, not going to change that much right now, like the spot market does. Mm-hmm. But if you came into this business in the last three or four years and bought your truck and built your business model around what what they thought was normal, mm-hmm. and they're mm-hmm. getting ready to find out what normal looks like, and then you throw in this fuel thing that hasn't been this way since '09, mm-hmm. uh, it's a it's a pretty dreary outlook, you know, for uh, for a lot of these guys, you know. And and we you know, we said this all along, you know, pe- people when, when when in 2019. It kind of came with the ELD mandate, you know. Uh, all of a sudden, carriers and 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 tr- and owner driver they could pretty much name their, their name their price. You know, mm-hmm. it was like it, the ball was in our court. Mm-hmm. You, you know, we had we had the goods. You had to pay the price. Sure. We said, look, that that is going to change. That's going to go back. You know, and that's what we're looking at now. You know, we maintain a lot of our contract freight, even though it was less than what we could have done spot market for to maintain those relationships mm-hmm. because we knew we would end up going back to them. Yep. Um, so, I mean, what, what's it look like from your side now that you guys are going to hold the cards, you know, and, uh, and, and you're not going to have to be held ransom by a carrier, you know, um, 
the, the, the contracts make give you all the warm and fuzzies like when when you're when you're not having to deal with this crazy uh spot market you can just get contracts and then you're more happy the contracts we just we like uh stability and like a little longer term thinking right so we like to know that we're going to have these many lanes for the next six to nine to 12 months it's just in the spot market it just it always seems fleeting and you know you can kind of get upside down a little bit um so it's it's just a kind of a business mix shift for us more than anything but we like it because it's a little better longer term outlook so well william haynes chris we need an app help me out help me out i can't read that to crowdsource wait times at DCs, it would be useful for both truckers and warehouse. Yeah, that's not a bad idea. Well, isn't there some of that already out there, Chris? Yeah, um, I think maybe Trucker Path does that. Or something. Yeah, and there's something that does that now. But it's kind of garbage in, garbage out. You know what I mean? It's like <laughs> it's one of those things without blockchain. The data is not the data is not reliable. You have to have a centralized authority. And everybody has to agree on the parameters and then everybody has to input the data. And I, you know, when I went, uh, I went down to freight waves, uh, early 2018 and they had that sonar thing and they're buying all this ELD data. Well, you don't have to sub, you don't, you don't have to consciously do that. The, the ELD is just recording all the time. So they're buying the metadata and they're going through and there had been this article that had come out that said we can identify this at that time it was the city that wasted the most driver's time. And I'm talking to the guy, I'm talking to the, this MIT nerd that was going through all this data. And I'm like, so you can tell me the city. He's like, Oh, I can give you the address. I'm like, really? And he was like, Oh yeah. And he named off the company. He just it was, you know, and I'm like, why is that not in the article? You know, but they weren't willing to peel people's pants down, you know, mm-hmm probably for some sort of defamation or something, but the date is there. Somebody needs to do something with it. That would be handy, yeah. but I'm sure they probably are on the backside. Like you said, I mean, I've got to believe that you guys have got analytics and there's probably somebody getting that metadata. That's probably helping because if you're one of the, the good guys, mm-hmm. you want to be able to say, Hey, we're one of the good guys. Here's right. Here's the data. See, you know, we're not like those bastards over there. Yeah, and I think I absolutely the data exists on that sort of stuff and it's used. You know, it just it does never solve the one off, but it it helps, you know, certainly reward facilities and companies that are doing it the right way. So what's next for Chris Long? Uh nothing, man. Just just gonna hang out with you, get you to play some more golf. <laughs> Chris uh, has given us uh, four beautiful grandchildren. Eight, right? uh, four through eight is, is Mackenzie eight. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. So um, I sure enjoy coming to Chicago land uh, to be with my grandchildren. Obviously you see why I'm so proud of my son and uh, he, uh, a little side note, let's, let's, let's discuss a little bit of side note. Chris is also an investor in uh, blue ribbon. He owns two of the trucks that we operate, so he's kind of dipping his uh, his foot in the swimming pool of the of the trucking side as well. So 
which has been interesting uh, to work with him. Yeah, tell me about that, Chris. Tell me what you really think. Um, <laughs> it's, it's been what eighteen months? Uh, started yeah, in no, I mean, October of of not of twenty, wasn't it? Um, yeah, October of twenty. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That sounds right. Yeah. yeah. So his his first it? truck his first truck was a twenty twelve glider, yeah. Columbia, with under a hundred thousand. Uh, I mean, under a million miles. Uh, and, um, it's, it's turned out to be a really, really good truck, you know? Uh, and then the second truck was a 99. Y'all heard the story of us going to Michigan to buy the truck and him writing the check wrong. <laughs> that's him. And, uh, it's that's, a no, that's something else to be fixed by blockchain we, too. <laughs> yeah, that's true. We recovered. We made it happen. Yeah. It was, uh, it should, it should not be that difficult to give somebody money. <laughs> it was hard. It was it? hard. It was hard. It was hard. But, it's been good, man. I mean, listen, I don't, you do all the legwork, so I, I get a lot of extra help, but it's been, it's been great. It's been good. You guys, you guys have a lot of expertise, manage it well. So has, you- has there been things about like, you know, seeing because you, you're financially tied to it, like has, has it, has it anything surprised you about it or? Man, this guy Carl is expensive. <laughs> yeah, I know one thing. And, An invoice from Carl at the to, end of the year last year. He likes to send several invoices at the same time. Yeah, yeah after, after a few months, right? <laughs> after a few months. And and the invoice is not an invoice. It's a it's a diary. It is. Yeah. There's lots of detail. There's, <laughs> it's very well documented. Yeah. No, um, it's been good. It's been good. It, he's worth every penny. Um, We're... <laughs> Yes, he is. Yes, he is. Well, speaking of analytics, um, we'll brag a little bit here. Uh, we have um, we got a sponsor, as you well know. It's um, it's Pittsburgh Power. Uh, we are now an OPS. Well, I've been OPS distributor for for years, but we're now also the Max Mileage uh, fuel ca- fuel catalyst distributor. Uh, all those products are on our website, and we've got a special right now with the OPS. If you don't know what that means, we did a complete podcast on it a couple of issues back, and uh, we explained the entire process. So, so check that out. Between now and end of May, fifty bucks off and free shipping if you order the OPS through us using the code OPS one hundred eight. That was the episode we did, by the way, one hundred eight. Mm-hmm. Uh, the max mileage we've got the gallons. We also have the ability to refill. If you want to run by a Hurricane and give Chris a call, he'll meet you down there and refill your your jug, save you some money. Um, we got to get all, we, we don't have all those on the website yet, but we'll, that's something else on my list to get done in the next. Well, week. even if it's not there, just reach out to us and we'll take care. We don't have to do it on the website. We can do it through email or whatever. So if you're coming through there and you need this stuff, let us know. So, uh, want to remind you of the July 16, 17 weekend. It's a Saturday and Sunday in hurricane, West Virginia. We're going to have the live event 2022 It'd be the only uh, event we have this year. We just, we're too busy. We're only doing this one because we promised everybody we'd do it. We're too busy now with 14 trucks and two more coming on that, uh, this just takes a lot of time. And as much as we enjoy doing it, it is just, it's very time consuming. So we're going to do what we said and have the one, but this is the only one this year. So, uh, that will be up on the website this week. Uh, get your, um, you know, get your money in and hold your seat. Uh, last year we had to shut it off at 30, 32, I think it was. This year, we think we can go 50, maybe even 75 in the facility that we got. But, um, you know, I, we don't know that till we start getting the, the things in. So it's two full days of complete immersion. Uh, 
in the uh, in the lunatic business model. Um, the timing couldn't be better. There's going to be a lot of people who, if they don't get control of their costs, uh, they're going to have a rough time with the uh, economy, what it's going to look like. We've got some specific suggestions on how to survive that. Even if you don't have a lunatic truck, uh, we can, I think we can work with you. Um, we're going to have some guests there. We're going to cover a lot of different topics. Um, I don't know if, well, I probably can't cover any of them yet because we don't really have them signed yet, but we've right. got a lot of good things coming for you. So uh, we will be doing the podcast live Friday night from um, the hotel there. And we do know this, we're going to have a couple of our mentoring clients that uh, uh, have a lot to say about uh, working with us that are going to be on that um, podcast. So um, uh, one more time, we do have uh, a couple of trucks that we're bringing on that we can uh, take some applications on. And uh, just, just got word that we are going to have an MD alignment guy there at the facility, not only doing a program, but uh, lining up trucks at the, in the parking lot. So Rocky Rockefeller, our uh, truck owner and MD alignment specialist from Jacksonville, you see it right there. He just committed to being there. So that's our first vendor that we can officially announce. So uh, it'd be a great, uh, a great uh, time to pick his brain and, and understand more about the MD alignment system and the importance of having, you know, your truck properly aligned. And then if you really want to have one done, we'll have to schedule these with him in advance because he can't do a ton of them in two days, but we can get a few of them done. So we'll sign you up and hold you a spot for that. So, but the, uh, but the truck we got, like I say, if we, if we, if you're interested in the program and learning how to become, you know, um, successful owner operator, BCO, BCO at Landstar, uh, without the risk and with a lot of benefits, um, reach out to us. Uh, we also do have a we have a team opportunity. We announced it today. It's on our website. It's on the Facebook page. Um, we do have a team truck coming up first uh, of July. That uh, and we don't usually have team opportunities, but we do have one coming up. So if you're interested in that, give us a call. Reach out to us, Chris. Thank you for being here. Enjoy being with you this weekend. And um, I guess from uh, a undisclosed location in greater Chicagoland, uh, we'll bid you good night. All right. We'll see everybody next weekend. Be Sunday evening. Same time. Same channel. See everybody Cheers. then. <laughs> Cheers.